I want to tell you today about my best friend. His name is Dick Miller. And a few of you may have met him a couple of weeks ago. You may have heard him. Dick is the one who spoke at my mother's funeral just two weeks ago. Uh, Dick and I meet together. We work together for years and, and we continue to meet together once a month. We get together, we have breakfast, we have coffee, we talk. It is the most vital appointment on my calendar every month. In fact, it is the most vital friendship I have. Dick and I have been through a lot together. There hasn't been a single struggle that I've gone through in the last 20 years that Dick Miller hasn't been there for me. If I were to tell you about my best friend, I would probably tell you three things. And if you were to tell me about your best friend, you would probably tell me the same three things. I would tell you something about his background, something about where he's from, I would tell you about his heart, what kind of a person he is, and I would tell you something that he has done, something remarkable that that person has done. I think we would do that if we talked about our best friends. And I would tell you about Dick, about his background, that he is from Vermont, and I don't know much about Vermont. I know there's cows, and I know there's syrup, and that's about all I really know about Vermont. Dick has two sisters, Jane and Sally. I want you to think about that for a minute. Dick, Jane, and Sally. And if you're laughing, it means you're old. Okay? You're an old person. I'm sorry you are. Yeah. Some of them are like, I don't get it. That's fine. They had a dog named Spot and a cat named Puff. You know, it was why on earth they did that, I don't know. I'd tell you something about his heart. The day my brother took his own life nearly 18 years ago, I tried to reach Dick all day. I called repeatedly. And he was in a meeting and wasn't able to... And this was back before cell phones really worked. Well, they don't still. But I couldn't reach him all day. And I didn't get through to Dick until about 9.30 that night. And I told him what had happened. About 10.30, my phone rang. And Dick said... Put the coffee on, I'm coming over. And we sat there that night and we drank coffee and we cried and we prayed and we talked. If I were to tell you something that Dick Miller has done, I, I suppose I would have to tell you that he is the preacher at the Philo Road Church of Christ in Urbana. But more than that, uh, he is one of a handful of people that I could say truly understand what it means to live for Christ. And their life has become an imitation uh, of Jesus as they follow Him with their hearts. And I suppose if you were to tell me about your best friend, you would share some of those same kind of details. A few weeks ago, Betsy Wilmore sent me a uh, text message. And she said, I have a friend who has never read the Bible before and they want to know where to start. And she wanted to know what I thought. And I always tell people, start in the Gospel of John. I think John is a wonderful place to start. But I really hadn't thought that through. I mean, I have my reasons but as I thought about it, I said, Betsy, John was Jesus' best friend. And so when John writes his Gospel, as opposed to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are all great Gospels as well, John writes his Gospel to introduce us to his best friend. He wants us to know Jesus. And he tells us in that Gospel where he's from. He tells us about his background. He tells us about Jesus' heart. And he tells us what he's done. Usually on Easter, we just talk about the resurrection. 
what Jesus has done. That He is risen. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, He rose again. That's why we celebrate. But what does that really mean if we divorce it from who Jesus is? From where He is from? And from what His heart is like? John wants us to know His best friend. Jesus wants to be known by us. Towards the end of His Gospel, and we're going to be in the Gospel of John today if you want to follow along with one of those blue Bibles. If you get to the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you hit Acts, you've gone too far. But I'm going to be bouncing around from several verses. If you've got your iPhone or an Android phone or any kind of a device that connects with you and you have the Bible app, all of these sermon text, all these sermon references or the, the Scripture references are there on the Bible app. It's very easy to scroll and follow along if you have that available. But in John chapter 20, towards the end of the Gospel, verse 31, John says, these things are written. I wrote these things, these, these stories, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. John wants us to know his best friend. Because knowing Him will change our lives. It will change our eternities. So just like if I were telling you about my best friend, I would tell you where he's from. Jesus tells us about, or John tells us about his best friend, Jesus. And John tells us that Jesus comes to us from the Father. You know, when people tell us where they're from, there's things that we automatically do. There's there's just things that pop into our head, and we always say the same things, we do the same things. If you meet somebody and you find out they're from Canada, sooner or later you're going to say, gets pretty cold up there. Yeah, they, they know that. They know it gets pretty cold up in Canada. If you meet somebody and they're from California, sooner or later you're going to say, you ever see any movie stars out there? That's what we think California is. If you meet somebody and they say they're from Indiana, you immediately start talking slower so they can understand you, right? Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Probably the most well-known passage in the Bible is John 3.16. People who've never read their Bibles, people who've never darkened the door of a church, they know that John 3.16 is in there. They've seen the signs at sporting events. They've seen t-shirts, they've seen bumper stickers, they've seen it plastered all over Facebook. Some of them who have never even read the Bible can probably do a pretty decent job of quoting it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. There's, there's a lot of great information in that verse. God loves us. That's important to know. We need to to know that belief in Jesus leads to eternal life. That's very important. But what you don't want to miss is that Jesus comes from the Father. That He is from heaven. In other words, He ain't from around here. In fact, John hammers that home over and over again in his Gospel that Jesus is from the Father. Jesus is from heaven. Over and over again, he tells us that. Because you see, if, if Jesus is from here, if He's just another person, just another man, then He's got the same problems that we have. If He has the same weaknesses that we have, the same failings, then He would even have the same sin that we have, the same powerlessness. If Jesus is from here, He can't help us because He's just as bad off 
as us. So over and over again, John emphasizes He comes from the Father. He comes from heaven. He is above us. It's John that tells us the night before Jesus died, He spent time in a garden praying so intensely that blood formed on His forehead like sweat drops. And in John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus prayed to the Father and He said, And now, Father, glorify Me in Your presence with the glory I had with You before the world began. The glory I had with You before the world existed. The cross was coming the next day with its horror, with its pain, with its death. But that was His way home. That was His way back to glory. Back to the Father. To the glory that He had always known. Jesus came from the Father. Jesus returned to the Father. John doesn't want us to miss that about his best friend. But you know, if if that's all we know about Jesus, we really still haven't understood John's best friend. And so, John makes sure that we understand that Jesus knows pain just like we know pain. Jesus feels the things that we feel. It's a wonderful and it is a necessary thing that Jesus is from heaven. It is a necessary thing that Jesus is beyond us. But if that's all that He is, then He can't help us because He can't understand us. He can't understand our struggles and our pains. If that's all He is, then He can't understand the things that keep you up at night, those temptations that you face those thoughts that you have, those what-ifs. What good is Jesus if He doesn't get all of that? Later on in the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the author of Hebrews speaks of Jesus as our high priest. And he says, we do not have have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet is without sin. And so John wants us to know what his best friend is like. That he is one of us. John's Gospel is the only Gospel that tells the story of the raising of Lazarus. Jesus' friend Lazarus. About two weeks before the cross, as John tells the story, Lazarus, his friend, became sick. And Lazarus died. And Jesus doesn't show up until he's been buried for four days. Usually Jesus would show up and heal someone, but he waits. And Lazarus has been dead four days before Jesus shows up. And at the heart of the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, at the heart of that story we find the shortest verse in the Bible. John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. Just two words. Jesus wept. And you know, for such a a small verse, it sparks a lot of debate. And for centuries, people have wondered, why did He weep? Why did Jesus weep? Was He weeping for the death of His friend? Uh, In just a few moments, He's going to raise Him from the dead. He's going to say those words. Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus is going to come out of the tomb. Uh, So why is He weeping for the death of His friend if He knows He will live again? Is He weeping about the disbelief of those around Him who didn't believe that He had power over life and death, that He was the resurrection and the life. John doesn't offer any explanation. John doesn't tell us why Jesus was weeping. He just tells us plainly, Jesus wept. Just as you have those moments when tears come, 
Jesus has those moments as well. We need friends like that. You know? We need friends. We need friends who know what it's like to feel weak and to feel hurt. We need a friend who knows our pain. We need friends who don't always show up with answers. Sometimes they just show up with a box of Kleenexes, right? We need those kind of friends. Someone who will just sit and cry with us and know that we hurt. And so they hurt also. Jesus is not some unfeeling deity who's so far beyond us that He doesn't feel the things that we feel. That He's numb to our pain. John introduces us to his friend and he says, you've wept. Jesus wept. He feels what you feel. Ultimately though, as John tells us about his best friend, he doesn't just tell us where he's from. He doesn't just tell us what his heart is like. John wants us to know what his friend has done for us. That Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. We read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we realize that the Gospels, while they tell the story of Jesus, the Gospels are not biographies of Jesus. Never think of them just as biographies of Jesus. If I read a biography of Abraham Lincoln, I get to the end of the biography, I, I don't close it and go, oh, that was, that's changed my life. I'm going to become a Lincolnite. I'm going to grow my beard just like Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to wear a stovepipe hat. I'm, I'm going to walk around and I'm, I'm going to free people. That's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm going, to, I'm going to be a Lincolnite. I don't change my life because I read a biography of Abraham Lincoln. But a Gospel doesn't just tell us about Jesus. It calls us to do something with Jesus. Again, John chapter 20, verse 31, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. John wants, us to, sh wants to show us that if we know Jesus, we can know eternal life. To give us that gift, Jesus not only had to be from the Father, outside of our troubles, outside of our sin, he not only had to be one of us, knowing our weakness and even weeping with us, but He has to have done something that we cannot do, that we could never do. He's had to pay the price that we couldn't pay. And that's why John and the other Gospels lead us to the cross. That's why Jesus died. John chapter 19, verses 23-30, through 30, John writes of Jesus' final words on the cross. The last words before His death, John says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, He said, and He said this to fulfill Scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to His mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, it is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up His spirit. Later, Later in the Bible, later, a few years later, the Apostle Paul would write his letter to the church in Rome. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. We live our lives just for ourselves, just for our own desires. There is a penalty that we have to pay. The wages of sin is death. It costs us everything and so, since we can't pay that penalty and survive, we have to have someone who can pay it for us. Someone perfect 
And so John or Paul continues on, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Jesus uttered those final words and said, it is finished, our debt was paid. I'm fascinated by other religions. I think it's important that we try to read and understand the beliefs of others. I think it's important that we try to be respectful of the beliefs of others. And and I try to do my best to, to read and understand what other people believe. Buddhism fascinates me. You know, I, I'm fascinated by that belief. And, and I have a lot of respect for the, the devotion that the Buddhists have and the, the desire for peacefulness. And th- there's a lot that I think we can learn from them. But the Buddha's last words, as he lay on his deathbed, surrounded by his disciples, do you know what the Buddha's last words were? His last words were this, work hard to gain your own salvation. You hear that? Work hard to gain your own salvation. His last words were a pep talk. Try harder. You've got to want it. No one's going to give this to you. Jesus' last words on the cross. It is finished. You know, Jesus' last words were not the last word. The cross is not the end of the story. Jesus' story does not end with death and defeat and and a grave where His body could be found, but triumph and and life and an empty tomb. Victory over the grave wasn't just victory for Jesus. It's victory for all of us because it points ahead to the hope of heaven and earth together. That just as Jesus returned to the Father to receive the glory that He had always had, one day we all return to the Father as heaven and earth become one. It points us ahead to that hope. And even though Jesus wept, and even though we weep today with the loss that we experience, it promises a day. The very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, John also wrote that. And in that book of Revelation, John receives this amazing vision from Jesus. And and the end of the vision is that of heaven and earth, the new Jerusalem coming down and heaven and earth uniting just as Father and Son are one. And in that vision, John says of that day, in in, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, he says of Jesus, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Knowing Jesus changes everything. There's an old story that preachers love to tell. Let me be honest with you, we only have so many stories. And and I'm guessing I'm not the only preacher telling this story on Easter morning. There's there's only so many preacher stories out there. and We we ought to come up with some new ones. But there's an old story that, that preachers love to tell. There was a rich man who lived in a mansion on the edge of a village. And this rich man had, a, had an art collection. He had this amazing gallery in his home. And people would come from all over to see the artwork and marvel at its beauty and be amazed at how much it must be worth. 
But the rich man's greatest treasure was a son. A good son. And this little boy would walk through the village and and he would talk to people. There was a beggar that always sat on the side of of one road and the the boy would stop and he would drop some coins in the beggar's cup every day and and he would talk to the beggar. He would tell the beggar about the beautiful artworks that his father had. One day, the the beggar said to the boy, you know, I I can draw. I'm I'm pretty good. If, If you brought me some paper and some pencils, I would draw you a picture. And so the boy said, I'll bring you paper and pencils. He came back, gave those to the beggar. The beggar said, next time you're here, I'll have something for you. The boy came back a little while later, a few days later, and the beggar presented him with a sketch that he had made of the boy. And the boy loved it. Now, it wasn't perfect. And it certainly wasn't gallery worthy. But, but the boy loved it because he loved the beggar. and He loved his heart. And he took that sketch home. He thanked him and took it home. Sometime later, the beggar realized that the boy hadn't come by for a while. It had been a long time since he had seen him. And so one day, he gathered all of his things up and he went to the front of the mansion. He went up to the gate and there was a man standing there. And he said, I haven't seen the boy that lives here for a while. And the man said, oh, you haven't heard. So there was a horrible accident and the boy died. And in fact, the father died also. And the beggar was just broken. It was tragic. He said... What, what's to become of the artwork? What's to become of the, of the gallery? And the man at the gate said, well, it's amazing that you're here today because today we are auctioning it all off. And, uh, and so the beggar said, would it be okay if I came in? He said, well, stay in the back. You don't look like you fit in with this crowd. Just stay in the back and keep to yourself. The auctioneer came up. It was a huge crowd. The auctioneer stood in the front. And he said, there was a provision in the will. The first thing that is to be auctioned is this sketch. And there, hanging in front of them all in a beautiful gilded frame, was the sketch of the son that the beggar had made. None of the art collectors there knew that name. And again, it wasn't the best sketch in the world. And so all the art collectors sat there and rolled their eyes. Finally, after a After a while, the beggar reached in his pocket and pulled out a couple of coins, maybe even the coins that the son had given him, you know, and and he said, I'd like to bid on that. No one else spoke up, and so the auctioneer said, all right, it's yours, and he came up and he took the painting. The crowd was glad that that was finally over with, and they said, can we get on with the real stuff now? The auctioneer said, no, that's it. He said there was one other provision in the will. Whoever takes the Son, takes it all. Whoever takes the Son, takes it all. And so I want to ask you today, have you taken the Son? It's not just about heaven, although heaven will be wonderful. It's about having a friend who knows you, who knows your pain, who knows your joys, and a friend who has done for you what you could never do for yourself. Do you know Him? Let's stand together and pray. Father, today we declare He is risen. He is risen indeed. And in that declaration, everything changes. Suddenly we are not alone. We are not forgotten. We are known by our friend Jesus. This morning our prayer is that our dedication, our declaration moves 
beyond just a holiday and moves into every day. That the risen Christ will change the way we live and love and the way that we are friends to others. May we bring something of the life of Your Son to their lives that they may know You love them. That they may know whoever takes the Son takes it all. We love You. We thank You for Your amazing love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.